Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. John the Baptist was preaching uh, in the wilderness and people were coming to him, but he was telling that the Messiah was coming. The one that God had promised was coming and you needed to prepare yourself. You needed to humble yourself before God. If need be, you need to confess your sins. You need to, to say, hey, I am ready for him to come. And one day as he was doing that, Jesus came and, and it's a different story we're not gonna talk about, but John baptized Jesus. And then uh, one, another day, Jesus walked through as John was there and he turns to his disciples and points at Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're singing about the Lamb of God. We're singing about the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, become a man who came to earth, lived a perfect and sinless life and died in our place for our sins. And when we realize our need of a Savior and we turn to Him, we turn away from all the other things that we think are gonna make life work and turn to Him, and receive him as our savior. What good news that is, because every sin is forgiven. And, and uh, we have eternal life with God. When this life ends, we go to be with, with him. And then he moves in and begins you know, this work in us where uh, he changes us more and more to be like Jesus. What good news that is. Uh, anybody here glad that you have that? Yes. Right, okay. Now, besides that, when you think about your Christian life, and I'm not asking for you to respond out loud here, but what, is, what are some of the most precious things to you about being a Christian? You know, you've, you've come to Christ, your sins are forgiven, but beyond that, what, what are some of the most precious things? Can you think of some things? You got some things in mind? Well, today, we're gonna see one, uh, one thing that just has to be on your list, okay? I'm sure it probably already is. So, let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. We've been reading here, working our way through. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, uh, coming up to what's gonna happen, what we're gonna celebrate next week, uh, Palm Sunday, his entry into Jerusalem, presenting himself as the Messiah. So we're down to verse number 29, and this is, by the way, page 1136 in the Bible there in the, the chairs. Verse 29. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Shh, right? Shh. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him. Well, Jamie and Jonah, this one has to really hit home, right? You know? 
And what an amazing miracle it was for these, these men. And we see their response and they followed him. Well, this kind of thing was foretold in the Old Testament. The Messiah who was going to come would do these kinds of things. This is how you would know it. And, and not only would it identify him as the Messiah, what it would begin to identify and help to see is that, wait a minute, the Messiah is actually God in human form. And so back in the book of Isaiah, it says this, he prophesied some 700 years before, he says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Okay, and here we see that happening. And there's a bunch more things listed there. And when John the Baptist found himself later after the ministry had kind of shifted to Jesus, but in John's preaching, he ended up in prison for his preaching. And he's in prison and, and wouldn't you wonder after a while, had I got this right? Here I'm in prison, I can't, you know, I preach and Jesus, what's, it's, and so he sends word through some of his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one, are you really the one that we were looking for? And Jesus uh, tells John's disciples to go back and tell John what you've seen. And here's how he says it in Matthew 11. Go and tell John the things which, there shouldn't be a period there, the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so this is what's going on. Jesus is pointing to the Old Testament prophecy and saying, hey, it's being fulfilled. It's happening. Okay? And so we see this is Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. This is continuing. He's continuing to show himself as the Messiah. And as we look at a passage of scripture next week, we'll see him actually presenting himself as Messiah to the Jewish people. So as I look at this passage, and I'm thinking, okay, so how does this apply to us? What would stand out to us? I mean, we see the blind men being healed. We see them choosing then to follow the Lord after he's healed them. Certainly, once we come to Christ, he has healed our sin problem, hasn't he? We ought to follow him. We can see those kinds of things. But as I thought about it, prayed about it, what stood out to me here is that we can learn some very important things about prayer from this passage. You say, prayer? Where's that in that passage? There's no prayer in that story. But I would say to you that here we have two blind men who have this tremendous burden in their hearts and a need that they feel. And they cry out to Jesus. And they cry out. And Jesus responds back. And he answers their, gives them their request. Doesn't that sound like prayer? And there really is no difference for us except that Jesus is not here physically with us at this time. And so I think there are some things we can learn about prayer. So let's, let's look at that today. And this is what I meant. This is, prayer is one of the most precious things that we have. It's also probably one of the easiest ones to not pay much attention to. So, here we see them. What are they? They hear Jesus is passing by. They're on the side of the road, probably just, you know, they, people travel here, and so they're begging and trying to get money to stay alive. And then they hear that Jesus is coming, the one they've heard about, the, the Jesus who heals people. Man, this is like a once-in-a-life opportunity, isn't it? 
because they can't go find him. And he's coming by. And so they cry out, you know, oh, Lord, you know, have mercy on us, son of David, which son of David is, is a reference to him, really the lineage of David, which the Messiah would come from. Uh, there's a number of ramifications of that, but we'll just leave that for another sermon. Um, so they're crying out. And I don't know, you know, is Jesus talking as he's going? Is he probably talking to the disciples, maybe interacting with the people around? And there, people are trying to crowd around to hear what he's saying. And, and here are these two guys crying out to the Lord. And, and so what's the crowd do? Shh. Shh. It's, it's interesting. You know, I've been in places, sometimes in church, but other times in places, more likely like in a town meeting. Those are crazy. But... Uh, <laughs> where all of a sudden there's, there's somebody talking, but then there's some little side conversation begins because of what's been said. And, and then you see, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people turn around and go, shh, shh. And with that attitude, there's an attitude. It's not just shh, it's shh, right? And I got to think that's kind of the way this was because it doesn't just say that they said they should be quiet. It says then the multitude warned them, you need to quiet down. Okay, and what was their response? This must mean Jesus is getting close. And so they did what? Cried out all the more, louder. Okay, and Jesus stopped. So here's the first lesson. Have you ever had anybody tell you that, you know, if you're talking about, you know, I'm praying about that or I'm praying about this, and they say, you pray too much. What's, you know, you need to do something. And sometimes that's true. Okay? But when anyone tells you to stop praying so much, let it motivate you to pray even more. Not to set aside anything you ought to be doing. That's fine. You ought to do whatever you need to be doing. But when things, any kind of discouragement comes to you about prayer, you have a choice. You can say, oh, and you back off from it. And it might be your own thoughts that are discouraging you. And so, you, you know, I'm saying to you, anytime you find anything that's discouraging you from praying, know that that's not of God and he wants you to pray. Okay, so let, make that, let it cause you to lean in more to prayer, okay? So, because we need to be doing that. And now, here's one of the, the most wonderful things to me that I see here and most wonderful things about prayer that is just amazing so they're crying out to him. And then we see in verse 32, so Jesus stood still and called them. So he stops and listens and asks, you know, what do they want? So when you start to pray, Jesus stops to listen. How big is that? Who is Jesus? Who is he? He is the God of the universe. He's the creator of the whole universe that's out there, right? He's the one who is, you know, loved us, died on the cross for us, saved. He's the one who overcame death and rose from the dead. All of that stuff. This is him. You think he's got a lot of things he's doing? How many people in the world does he know him, you know, and that he's responding to the work? But somehow, because he's God, he can do this, but somehow, rather, when I say, Oh God, or Father, or Jesus, or Holy Spirit. I stop and pray, it's like he, all of a sudden he stops and listens. And he didn't stop and all the other stuff he's doing, but you get it, I'm trying to see, get you to see? 
He focuses in with us. What an amazing thing that is. Do you ever have anybody in your life that you try to talk to and they just aren't listening? If you're married, that's you, okay? If you have kids, that's you. If you have parents, okay, let's stop. Um, that, that can happen, right? It never happens with Jesus. Never. Anytime you sincerely turn to him to pray, he stops and listens. That, that's just an amazing thing to me. All right, so as we continue to talk about prayer here, let's first line out some things we're not talking about because depending on where you've come from in life and what your background is and how you think about prayer. Uh, we're not talking about some religious activity you do that is intended to somehow earn you God's favor or to earn you God's forgiveness, okay? That, that isn't how that works anyway, right? We get that because we've trusted Jesus as Savior. But so it's not about that. It is not about... Uh, Let's see, I just want to make sure I don't forget one of these I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's not a, a memorized set of words that we recite like an incantation or something like that. They're not magic words, right? Uh, and by the way, a memorized prayer can be very real and very sincere by a person. I mean, most of us probably especially if you're from a Roman Catholic background, but you know the, what we would call the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and that can be very meaningful if you actually pray that. Our Father, who art in heaven, your name is holy. I want your kingdom to come, your, your will to be done here on earth. Same way it is in heaven. In my life, Lord, I want you. You see what I'm saying? We can pray those memorized prayers. The key is that you pray them and you don't just repeat them. Jesus talked about repetitious prayer and he, he says uh, that the idea is that we ought not pray using what he called vain or meaningless rep, rep, repetitions. And um, the way they become meaningless is when we just go through them, go through them, go through them, go through them, right? Okay, and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about prayer. We're not talking about doing something that somehow rather, if all I've prayed about it, so God's obligated. Okay, uh, you know, then something doesn't work out. Well, I don't understand. I prayed about it. God should have done, you know. It's not that. And it's not talking to any other being other than God. Other than God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God in general. To God, not to any other human being. Uh, the Bible just doesn't teach that. It teaches us that, and here's what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, go ahead. Go ahead to that verse. There you go. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay? That's what the scripture says. That's how we can go to God. Because we've received Christ as Savior, and he's the one who opens the door to us to be able to pray to God. We can pray to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to God the Father. Jesus is teaching, pray to God the Father in the name of the Son, praying in the Spirit. Okay, so we're connecting with God, not with another human being. And, and by the way, that is so much more sufficient. I mean, it's, it's much greater than you're going directly to God, Okay. Uh, and Hebrews says this, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through Jesus, 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus communicates with the Father about us and what's going on and what we are praying for. What a special, special privilege. A few chapters early in Hebrews 4, he says this. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. Whose throne is it? God's, Jesus, okay? It's his throne. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's no better thing than you can do. There's no... No, yeah, there's nothing greater when it comes to prayer than praying to God directly. You know, and you can pray to whoever you want to. You can pray to the person sitting across the thing from you, but none of them are God. None of them are Jesus, okay? All right. Then we see this question that Jesus asks. Here we go. So they're saying, have mercy on us. Jesus stops and he calls them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, do any of us think today that Jesus didn't know what they wanted? No. He knew, didn't he? Yes. He already knew it. Why did he ask them? Because they needed to say it. They needed to say it. We need to speak to the Lord about the desires of our heart. We need to speak to the Lord what, our, what we see as our needs. Uh, we need to we need to talk to God. That's a prayer's back. Because we could say, does God already know what our needs are when we go to him in prayer? Yeah, Jesus said that. He says, you know, don't worry about all this stuff. God already knows that you need it. And elsewhere he tells us, though, to pray. We need to speak to God. Because when we speak to God and tell him, I, you know, just very recently and in, in a few other really key times in my life, there was times when, when I find myself in a situation in life, and it it's, seems kind of dark, and you don't know where to go from here. And I know God knows that, and I know God hasn't abandoned me, and he's working, but when I stop, I finally stop, and I talk to God, and I say, oh God, I don't know what to do. I don't even see how I go forward from here, Lord. To me, this looks hopeless. And at that point, to have it become, it becomes, those few times just become so very real to me and very emotional at that point. But if I hadn't stopped, got with God, and told him. So he already knows, but I need to speak it, and you need to speak it. We need to say that. We need to say, God, I need you. We need to say that because who does it remind? God? God, in case you forgot, I need you. No, it's us, right? We're the ones that forget. And so we remind ourselves of who we're praying to and what we're praying about. And so we need to speak to the Lord about these things. Now, this is not something that comes directly from our passage, but it is a biblical truth, okay? Our prayer requests should always begin and end with a surrendered heart. That's what we've tried to capture when we talk about what we do as a church. We surrender to the Lord. We should be surrendered to him this morning. We should be surrendered to him this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow, and the next day. Okay, that's the way we ought to live. And that is sort of the way the Christian life goes, because we surrender, and then we don't live surrender. Whoop, we have to re and we keep after that. But our prayers should start in a heart that is surrendered 
to the Lord. Okay? Now, this is what we get out of what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that's why you memorize that prayer. This is good. Remember this. Your kingdom come. Your will, God, be done. Okay? Your will. So we want to start with that in our hearts. Now, Jesus modeled this for us. We know that, remember the story? Uh, and what happens in, in, if we were following the calendar, you know, in the next couple weeks here, uh, Jesus is praying to his father the night right before they're going to take him captive and the whole thing's going to begin with the crucifixion and, and him bearing the penalty for our sins, all those things. Here, here's how he prays to God. He's asking this father, does it have to be this way? Okay, look what he says. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And that's where we need to be in life. And that ought to be where our prayers come from. And we'll talk a little bit later here about, uh, oh, gee, I'm worried about how I pray. Let's, don't go there yet, okay? Uh, the Apostle John talks about this and connects this whole idea with God's will and our prayers in 1 John, his first letter, when he says these things. He says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. It matters, doesn't it, to be surrendered to his will. You can ask him all day long for things that aren't his will. And then at some point you'll say, oh, prayer stuff doesn't work. Oh, we need to start with a heart that surrendered him and then pray from there. Okay? Very, very important. Um, now, in the, the previous passage here that we looked at last week, you know, a request was brought to Jesus. Remember, by James and John and their, their mother? We want to be your two main guys. We want to sit on both sides of your throne with you when you come into your kingdom. And, and Jesus tells them what? No. He tells them no. Sometimes he tells them no. He said, it's not within my, uh, it's not mine to do. The father already has something else determined. So the answer is no. Does that mean he didn't care? No, he did care about them. And he calls all the disciples together and tries to teach them some things that are going to help them all. Okay, he does that. In our passage today, he says yes and heals them. Now, in this idea of being surrendered to his will as we pray, know this, that Jesus' healing of the blind men was not just because they wanted to be healed and because it would make their lives easier. Although that's all true. And Jesus did care about that. But what you know is that Jesus said yes because this all fit into God's will and what he was doing. You see what I'm saying? So, and that's why he could have said no because it didn't fit because of what God was doing. Uh, and so this is, we got to pray according to the will of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that when I have something that I want to pray about and ask God about, if I surrender to his will, I'm acknowledging that he just might very well say what? No. Maybe he'll say not now. Not verbally, but right, not now and, and keep working because he's at work. He might say yes. But I need to be surrendered to that reality, that possibility. 
You know, when a country finds themselves at war, every soldier who goes to the battlefield, every good soldier knows something. And that's that, in some sense, their lives are expendable for the sake of the mission. It has to be that way, right? For that to work. Soldiers have to say, I, you know, I don't want to die, but if I have to die, so be it. Because we have this mission we have to accomplish. And, and you know, you, they do their best not to die, right, for sure. They do their best to help each other not to die. They do all this stuff. That even the commanders will work and try to rescue and do all that stuff. But in reality, it comes to the bottom line is if the mission requires that I die, I'm willing to do that. See, it, and this is, guess what? We are on a mission. As God's people, we're on a mission, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them, teaching them to observe all the commands I have given you. And by the way, I'm with you, he says, through all of that. So we are on a mission. So it makes sense that we come to God, we have things to bring to God, and, and maybe things that are very, very important to us, but let's don't forget, we are on a mission. And so what I want, what is more comfortable to me, what pleases me, is not the top priority. And we've seen in past weeks, right, that our natural priorities don't always match God's, right? And so, and I'll get to that a little bit later. So, this idea of being on a mission. So, what happens is we go to the Lord in prayer and we surrender to God's will. We surrender to God's will in our prayers and our lives. We do that it not only challenges us, it also brings us great reward. It brings us great reward. And this kind of goes back to last week's sermon a little bit, which where, you know, as I thought about and talked to some people, there's something I didn't think I really made quite clear. But so we're surrendering our will to him. We have these big problems and we're saying, God, we want your will to be done here. And we mean it. That might mean I'm going to have to suffer. That means maybe I'm gonna to have to endure this longer than I want to. You know, all the ways that God might say no, and it's difficult in my life because of that. Uh, that difficulty that comes because we are submitted to God's will, God always uses for good in our lives. Consider, this is, we didn't look at this verses from 1 Peter last week. He says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And those various trials might be things that you ask God to remove. You ask God to change. You ask God to intervene. And it's not his will to do that right now. And so here you find yourself, right? Being grieved by various trials. And he says this, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling us here, the Holy Spirit led Peter to say these things because when we surrender to the Lord's will and we surrender to the Lord's will in our prayers, you know, we're asking him, but we know that he may say no and he does say no. And when we experience the difficulties that go along with that, God is purifying our faith. And purifying our faith is not just about now. 
He's talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ when the Lord returns. Man, is that going to be good. I guarantee you, if you suffer anything down here because of your submitting to the will of God and you suffer that, that it will absolutely be worth it in a way that's greater than you understand. Okay? And we have this, you know, the Holy Spirit led Paul to write these words and sometimes they become throwaway words, but I don't, they aren't. And we know that all things, how many things? All the things, even those things that you're suffering that God said no to you right now about. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And we are those people. But those who love God, you know what Jesus said? Uh, how do we know that we love him? How, how do we keep his commandments? That's how we express our love for him. And keeping his commandments is submitting to his will. You see that? This is a promise to us when we submit to his will and if we suffer for it, he's working that together for his good purposes in our lives, for us. Jesus talked about if you suffer because you, you're, you're following him and here's what happens. He says, blessed are you, happy are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, wait a minute here, right? If I was gonna make a list of things that I would want to consider my blessings, I'm probably not putting on there, people are reviling me. Oh, thank you, that's a great blessing. And they persecute you, oh yeah, that's great. And say all kinds, do you like it when people lie about you? No. Because you know, you're a Christian, they're lying about you? No. Those don't seem like blessings, and yet Jesus is saying you're counted a blessing, considered a blessing, why? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You know, he said, well, that's all pie in the sky. No, it's not. It's real pie in the real sky. Okay? Great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are in good company of those who have served God faithfully. So, this whole idea of this, this thought, our prayer request should always begin and end with a surrendered heart. Really important, okay? All right, with these things laid down, how do we pray? Okay, first thing is this. Pray freely about your thoughts and feelings because all this stuff I've just said could make you go, oh boy, I don't know how to pray. Oh God, I don't, oh God, maybe, I don't know if this is your will or not, but God, I, uh, oh boy, is that right? Is I, Let it go. And say, oh God, here I am. I do not want to go through what lies ahead of me. I really don't. Now remember, we're praying from a surrendered heart. And we're telling, who needs to say this? We need to say it. Oh God, I can't even see a way forward. I don't know how to do this. I'm asking that you deliver me from this. I pray that, that those who are doing whatever, that you just stop them. I, I ask, you know, that you do something here. Do something for me. I need you to work in my life, which is, that's all very true. But pray freely, okay? It's okay to tell God what you want. Tell God what you think. Tell God how you feel. Go to the book of Psalms and see how they talk to God there. Sometimes they're mad at God. God, I'm struggling with this. I feel angry with you because of what's going on, because you've let this happen. And, and I know that I shouldn't be, but I am. Be open, honest with God. By the way, does he already know all those things? <laughs> 
Yeah, you, so you don't say, oh, I can't tell God that. <laughs> he already knows. And you need to say it. And pray, you know, and you can cry there. You can laugh at whatever. Just be open completely with God. Remember, because you're starting with a surrendered will. You've already settled this, that you want what God wants. And that brings us to the, well, let me see. Uh, let me do this verse. First Peter chapter five. It says, humble yourselves, casting all your care upon him. How many of your cares? Even the ones you aren't sure match up with what God's saying? All your cares. Why? Because he cares for you. He's not sitting there. You know, I sometimes sit with somebody and they're talking to me about something that's going on. Maybe they're unhappy with me about something. Everything's fine, but then they keep going, going. And I, I start going, mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard enough. I'm talking with my teeth clenched. God never gets that way. He cares. Always. And so this idea of praying freely. Let me talk to you about my grandson Trevor. My 13 year old grandson. You, a lot of you have seen on Facebook as, as we've asked prayer because a couple, three weeks ago now I think. Two, three weeks ago he had major surgery. Reconstructive surgery that was really important for his ongoing health. And here's the reality. When anybody goes into surgery where they're working on you on the inside and they put you under anesthesia, do you have any guarantees? You have no guarantees. Sometimes people, it's rare, but they die there in surgery. Things that are unexpected happen, right? Or maybe the surgery doesn't go well. Or all that kind of stuff. And I I acknowledge this, but, but here's the deal. Do you think I'm saying... When I'm asking God to work here, that I'm saying I have to couch all those things and say, no, here's what's going on. I'm saying, God, please oversee everything in this surgery. God, please bring him out of this surgery healthy. Guide those surgeons, the whole medical team, that they all do exactly what's right. And everything goes perfectly. And when he gets out, he heals quickly. And I mean, I'm asking God for all these things, you know. And, and thankfully, he actually answered a bunch of those. Uh, but so I'm going to pray freely about the things that are in my life and what's going on and the things that are heavy to me and all that kind of stuff. And there's lots of things to thank him for in prayer. I'm not talking, focusing on that today. So I'm praying that way, asking anything and everything that comes to heart and mind. But because I'm already surrendered to the Lord's will, here's the second thing. I can pray confidently for God's will to be done. God, I want your will to be done. Okay? Um, And so again, as I was praying for my grandson Trevor, okay, I'm asking him to work in his life. Go ahead and go to that next slide again if you would. So I don't know if you can see, this is kind of smaller. This This is a number of years ago. This is six years ago. Actually, it was just, yeah, this last month. On March 1st, 2017, he wrote all this on the board. He was so excited about it. He says, born again. He, he, you know, he was seven years old and he received Jesus' Savior. He's so excited about it. Wanted to draw this on the board and say that. So I know that he knows the Lord, okay? And so I'm praying for him. God, please use this in Trevor's life to teach him that he can trust you. That he depend on you. Teach him that there are lots of people who do love him and value him. Teach him um, 
It just draw, use this to draw him closer to you, Lord, and prepare him for whatever's coming in his life. Use this in the life of his family also to draw them closer to you. And I'm praying according to the best I know how what, according to God's will. Now, here's the, the, the rub is that God, these things are more important. I know from your perspective too, God, these things are more important than his health. That's a scary thing to me. To let go. And say, God, you've got the most important things going on here in his life. You love Trevor more than I do, and I pray you work in his life. Now, I can do that because of this confidence. The third thing, pray knowing that God's will is always the very best answer. Doesn't necessarily look like that on the face of it, but it's always God's very best answer. It's His will. That's why you should want His will. Okay? Uh, Psalm 18 says, As for God, His way is perfect. How better can you say it? Okay? And remember, if it's hard, if the answer is hard for us, He works and does things. And finally, pray believing God is able to do it. Pray believing God is able to do it. Just listen here as I just read a couple passages of scripture to you. Psalm 78 says, talking about Israel in the wilderness and his people, says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God, they tested God. And listen, and limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit him? They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. They didn't realize, you know, remember that God has paid for us. He has delivered us. And so when we don't pray and we don't trust, we don't believe he can do this, we limit him. Uh, and he's not limited in of himself, you understand, but we limit what he'll do in our lives. Isaiah chapter 40, to whom, this is God speaking, he says, to whom then will you liken me or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. In other words, uh, who do you think I am? <laughs> Remember who you're talking to here. You're praying to me, God. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host, the stars by number, calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. And so he's reminding them, who are you talking to? And then he says this to them. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, mm, my way is hidden from the Lord. My just claim is passed over by my God. Why do you say that? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He, he knows everything about what your need is. And he is the creator of all things. He can do something about it. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength and it, it goes on. But remember who you're talking to. We can believe that God is able to answer our prayers. And if you're praying surrendered to the Lord, by his will, he will always answer those prayers.
And his answers are always the best. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for prayer. Oh God, I ask in my own life, please keep stirring me about this. Please keep reminding me. And the prayer would be a first resort and an ongoing resort, Lord, in life. And I pray the same for all of us. How we need you and you've given us a way to connect with you in our need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's check and see if we have any questions today. Yes, okay, wow, okay, good. All right, we'll move fairly quickly here. Okay, it says here, a newer issue is that some people now say it is unethical to pray for someone without their explicit consent. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh there. Some people are seriously offended by you praying for them and demand you to stop. Your first point says, if someone tells you to stop praying, pray more. How would you suggest to respond to someone if they are offended by you saying you are or will be praying for them without their consent? Uh, sounds silly here, but don't tell them. No, I mean that, really, right? If, if they feel offended that you're saying you pray for them and all that, then just don't tell them. Just love them and pray for them when they're not listening. Okay? I'm really not being smart, Alec, about that, I think, you know, uh, because... If you love them, you do what's best for them. Uh, okay, so question here. Does prayer actually change the plans of God? Oh, well, that's a whole sermon. <laughs> or two or three. Let me just give you the quick version. I referred to earlier. Somehow rather, and this is the best I can understand it at this point, is that before God ever creates anything, and it, it, we talk about God, it gets weird sometimes because... But before God creates everything, he know, and he determines he's going to create, he knows every possible way he could create, right? He knows every possible way he could lay out the universe. He, could, he knows every way he could set it up, how he interacts with us, and all that kind of stuff. And he chose this one that we're in. But he chose it knowing everything that would happen. If I do this, here's what will happen. If I do it this way, this is what will happen. If I do it this way, this is what's going to happen. If I give people free will... And hold them responsible for their choices. Here's what's going to happen. And because I'm going to do this. He, he knows all of that. And so he created it. And here we are. And so we have choices to make. And I would say it this way. That God knows ahead of time about even our praying. And he, you know, he sets us up and he says, okay, if they will pray for this, I will do it. And if they don't, won't pray for this, then I won't do it. Does that help at all? So he knows ahead of time. He knows what he's going to do in our to response to our choices. But no, it isn't. If God has something all planned out and we have a different idea, and we pray to him, no, he's not going to do differently than he's going to do. Okay. There's a lot of stuff. It'd be great that we should have a conversation about that at some point, maybe, okay? And come back and forth. Why do you keep saying this idea when you quote the Bible? <laughs> Jesus said it. We believe it. That settles it right. Yes. Okay, so when I use the word an idea that's come from the Bible, I don't mean, oh, there's a thought. <laughs> I mean, there's a concept. There's a principle. There's um, truths. Okay, 
And so I'll think about how I say that. I'm not intending to imply that this is maybe true. No, if the word of God says it's true, it is absolutely true. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not, or you. I mean, it matters in my life, but it doesn't change the truthfulness of it. Okay, that's a, that's a good question. I appreciate that. Okay. Yes. Uh, whoops. Uh, it says, prayer is much more than asking. It's intimate. It's sharing life with our Savior one-to-one. Yes, and I 100% agree with that. Prayer is much more... I was focusing today on the idea of this, we pray, we come to God with requests because this is what the blind men do. But I try to communicate to you in that, how I'm talking to God, how I'm feeling, what's going on, that there is an intimate relationship there. There's so much more we could talk about prayer than I talked about today, okay? Everything I said today, very important, but it's certainly not the be all end all about prayer. Okay? All right. Thank you for those questions. That's good. And as always, I'll be glad to talk with you personally if you have other questions. Thank you for asking those things. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and again and thank you for your word. Ask, Lord, that we would grow and more and more become a praying people. Um, that your household, this family, would be a household of prayer. And not only that we would honor you in that way, but Lord, so that you can work in our lives the way you said you will if we pray. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you.